You're listening to The Morning Magazine on KGNU. It's Friday, February 24th, 2023. I'm your host, Alexis Kenyon. Coming up on today's program, we get an update from a recent University of Colorado Regents meeting. After that, it's a piece about Hopi music in Southwest Colorado and then .org, our weekly look at local nonprofits. At 8.30, Connections comes your way. This week, Cinda Arsenault will host a two-part feature on women and empowering change. She will talk with special guests, and as always, the phone lines will be open and your calls are welcome. At 9.30, Meredith Carson will bring you two and a half hours of eclectic music until noon on the Morning Sound Alternative. That's all still ahead, but first, these headlines with KGNU's Stacey Johnson. Four bills aimed at curbing gun violence in Colorado are now before state lawmakers. The bills were unveiled by their Democratic sponsors at a press conference Thursday. The proposed measures would raise the minimum age to purchase a shotgun or rifle to 21 and require a three-day waiting period between the purchasing of a firearm and taking possession. The others include rolling back legal protections for gun manufacturers and sellers and expanding who can file a red flag petition. A red flag petition would allow Allow a judge to order the temporary seizure of someone's firearms who the petitioner perceives as unsafe. Governor Jared Polis appears to support the bills, according to the Colorado Sun. Taylor Rhodes, Rocky Mountain gun owners, told the Colorado Sun his organization will mount one of the largest opposition campaigns the state has ever seen, including fighting the new laws in court. He added the gun rights group has gained thousands of new members in anticipation of the proposed new laws. The accused shooter in the Club Q murders has been ordered to stand trial following a preliminary hearing in El Paso County. KGNU's Jack Armstrong has more. Fourth Judicial Court Judge Michael McHenry ordered the shooting suspect, Anderson Lee Aldrich, to stand trial on more than 300 criminal counts yesterday. He sent Aldrich back to jail without bond. Aldrich is due back in court for arraignment on May 30th. Five people were killed and 17 others wounded in the November 19th shooting at the Colorado Springs nightclub. The preliminary hearing for Aldrich, who is non-binary, began on Wednesday. Detectives testified that their investigations indicate Aldrich went to Club Q and fired indiscriminately at the patrons inside, and that Aldrich had a particular disdain for LGBTQ people. District Attorney Michael Allen argued the shootings were motivated by hate. When defense attorney Joseph Archambault addressed the court, he conceded the crime was senseless, but said Aldrich has shown remorse for their actions. Aldrich has not yet entered a plea, but observers expect a plea of not guilty. For KGNU, I'm Jack Armstrong. Aurora police have released body camera footage showing an officer slamming a handcuffed man to the ground. In the video released yesterday, the officers lead a handcuffed individual to the exit of Aurora Hospital. While approaching the exit, the officer tells the man to stop resisting and then slams him to the ground. Footage then shows the man on the ground as blood pools around his head. Two other officers were also present. One of them appears to laugh before commenting, that's quite enough. The incident occurred last August, but Aurora Police said the department's Force Investigation Unit did not review it until mid-January because of their caseload and the original classification of the incident. Aurora Police say the case was referred to the Colorado Bureau of Investigation for external criminal investigation. Meanwhile, the department started their own review. 
or police sent a statement that as of yesterday, the Colorado Bureau of Investigation has completed their investigation and has forwarded the matter to the district attorney's office. Their department's own internal investigation is ongoing. Or police added that the incident has prompted operational changes to avoid long delays of investigations surrounding use of force. The state Senate is considering a new bill that would require manufacturers of high-tech farming equipment to sell the digital information and supplies necessary for farmers to make their own repairs. KGNU's Juanita Hortado has more. The new bill is similar to a right-to-repair bill approved last year. Democratic Representative Brianna Titone sponsored the first bill, which allows consumers to repair their own wheelchairs. The new bill will extend that right to farmers. Representative Titone told Colorado Newsline that market prices, weather pests, drought, they are all things outside the control of a farmer trying to do their job. The last thing they need is for a piece of equipment to break, and that becomes an additional barrier. According to Colorado Newsline, the bill made it through the House on Tuesday with a 44-17 vote. It next goes to the state Senate. For KGNU, I'm Juanita Hurtado. The Broomfield Veterans Museum will host a presentation Saturday, February 25th, by Navy veteran Tim Hutchison, who will provide an overview of claim process changes by the Veterans Administration. The presentation will also cover the VA's new appeals program, changes in response to COVID-19, as well as the 2022 Promise to Address Comprehensive Toxins Act, which expands and extends VA health care for veterans exposed to toxins during Vietnam, the Gulf War, and post-9-11 eras. The presentation will begin at 10 a.m. The location of the museum is 12 Garden Center off of Midway Boulevard and east of Wadsworth Boulevard in Broomfield. For today's weather, the National Weather Service says skies will be mostly sunny with a high near 38 for Fort Collins and Boulder and a high of 39 for Denver. Winds could gust as high as 22 miles per hour during the afternoon hours. Tonight, skies will be partly cloudy with a low of 8 degrees for Fort Collins, 18 degrees for Boulder, and 20 degrees for Denver. For KGNU, I'm Stacy Johnson. You're listening to The Morning Magazine. I'm Alexis Kenyon. The University of Colorado Board of Regents met last week to discuss a handful of increasingly hot topic issues from concealed carry on campus to increased tuition. Henry Larson, the editor-in-chief of CU Independent, was at the meeting and joins us today in studio to give us an update. Henry, thanks so much for being here. It's a pleasure. Okay, so there's been a lot of big news that came out of that meeting late last week. Give us a rundown. Yeah, so February 9th was when uh, the regents held their meeting. And there were a few big pieces of information that came out of that. I think first you had two advocacy groups show up to sit in on the meeting itself. You had members of the United Campus Workers, which is the Sea Boulder Union. You also had several gun violence prevention advocacy groups there along with members of the student government. And they were there to talk about a concealed carry ban on campus. And then finally, the other piece of news that they discussed, and that's noteworthy, the university is expecting to increase tuition by about 4% for all of its undergraduate and graduate students, as they expect uh, lack of enrollment and some budgetary strain in the next fiscal year. Yeah, this is a complex issue. 
the idea of raising tuition on students. Tell me what the discussion was during the meeting. Yeah, so it's in, it's pretty complicated. Um, this was a discussion that was brought by the university system's budget officers. They presented to the regents, and they said that they were expecting to have some budget shortfalls, some strains placed on them in the coming year, and that's due to a lot of reasons: inflation, a lack of enrollment. There are some people that say that increased wages are also adding to that stress, but there's also a lot of minor causes per campus. So for CU Boulder, they say that the constant need for construction and uh, development of campus facilities is costing a lot of money. There's an increased emphasis on needing more technological upgrades on campus that's costing money. And then the other picture that university leaders have been saying for forever now is that the state isn't giving them enough money. And of course, state officials and the university leaders go back and forth on this all the time. But right now, the state could be allocating anywhere between 6.8% and somewhere around 13% of an increase in their normal funding for the next fiscal year. How much are they talking about increasing tuition? And, and what are you guys already paying? 4% increase in tuition. Right now, you know, out-of-state students could be paying thirty grand. Uh, a year. That's a lot. That's a lot of money. Yeah. Uh, in-state students pay less. I pay less as an in-state student. It's pretty variable, but CU Boulder has a reputation as an expensive school. Right. And this is a state school. It's not a private school. That's right. The university also saw some uh, interesting financial challenges earlier at the end of 2022. Their financial investments, the C Foundation's financial investments, didn't do as well as they'd hoped. They lost several million dollars in their investments. And so university leaders have basically been on the back foot, fiscally speaking. Mm -hmm. Now, this is a investment portfolio that's valued at over $2 billion. Yeah. So it's already quite, quite valuable. But they have been facing some financial challenges. And so I think they're looking for ways to do that, to recoup those losses without putting more strain on the coffers they have yeah. on offer. Okay, so concealed carry also came up in this meeting. Tell me about this. Yeah, yeah, there was a lot. I think the other thing that's really interesting to mention is the student government push to ban concealed carry on campus. There's only about a dozen schools in the country that allow concealed carry on campus, and CU Boulder is one of them. And so on February 9th, you had several student government members and gun violence advocacy groups at the meeting who are arguing for the regions to overturn or to reintroduce a ban on concealed carry. Right. And this has an interesting history with the Board of Regents. Tell me about that. It does. And the history goes back to 1970, pretty much. You know, this was there of the Vietnam War. There were anti-war, anti-military protests. And an ROTC office at the University of Colorado, Colorado Springs, was bombed. And around that same time, there was also a, a massive anti-military, anti-war protest on Sea Boulder campus, starting at the University Memorial Center. And so the region's initial ban of the concealed carry of firearms was not because of gun violence prevention groups. It was because of anti-war protesters and domestic terrorism in the 1970s. And that ban on concealed carry was later upheld in 1994. And then you go into 2003. In 2003, the Colorado State Legislature 
passes a concealed carry amendment, which says that uh, concealed carry permit holders can carry throughout the state except in a few places like government buildings, places with security, checkpoints, public, primary, and, and secondary schools. And the then Attorney General, Ken Salazar, he issues an opinion saying this amendment doesn't infringe on the region's ability to dictate how they run their campus. It's non-binding, however. And so a group of student activists, uh, Students for Concealed Carry, the acronym is SCCC, they sue the regents and say that this law, the Concealed Carry Amendment, should prevent them from banning concealed carry on campus. Now, they lose their initial attempt in El Paso County in 2008. But in 2012, the Colorado Supreme Court hears their appeal and overturns the decision, meaning that the regents have to overturn their ban of concealed carry. But that doesn't stick around forever. You have many years go by and you have increased advocacy around gun violence. 2012, of course, was also the year of the Arvada shooting. And then in 2021, at the Table Mesa King Supers, it hits far closer to home for CU Boulder community members than gun violence has ever had in the past. And so there are several bills passed by the Colorado legislature, signed by Governor Polis, restricting firearm access and use in the state. And one of those overturns the law that the Colorado Supreme Court used to say the students for concealed carry were right in their civil suit, meaning that the decision in the regents versus students for concealed carry is void. It doesn't apply anymore. So now it's 2023 and student government leaders are now saying because this Supreme Court case is no longer relevant, this Colorado Supreme Court case is no longer relevant, now we want the regents to take action and ban concealed carry on campus. And what was the response? The response was, we'll think about it. It was a far better response than these activists who have been pursuing this for about a year now, probably maybe a little longer than a year. It's far better than they've heard in the past, but they went and they spoke in front of the regents and the regents said that they're going to be able to take this to the committees that discuss these issues. Their meeting is on April 17. And then that committee will then decide whether to send this issue back to the regions to vote on. The earliest they could do that would be April 27th. Whether or not that happens is somewhat up for debate. The members of the Campus Affairs Committee that would, would hear this issue are somewhat split, actually, both in partisan affiliation and in their stance on, on gun control. It's not entirely clear how they would vote. So there's a lot of there's a lot that's up in the air about how university leaders will will move when they're when yeah. they're talking about this ban. Well, that said, I mean since that meeting there have been two gun threats or at least two gun scares and news about guns if not on campus right next to campus. I mean, do you think the frequency of gun-related news and people's fear is going to affect their decision? I think if there's one thing that Boulder residents have been more aware of since 2021, it's the sheer amount of times gun violence or the threat of gun violence has entered our lives and, and been prominent in the way we think about going about our day to day. You know, I covered the King Super shooting the day it happened, the hour it happened, and then throughout the, the coming days that followed. And I've seen the way the community has, has changed in many ways. I think that there's a very clear reason people don't want to see concealed carry 
allowed on campus. And that's not to say there aren't people who are advocating for concealed carry, because there are. There are people, especially people who responded to the story that we wrote about this issue, who were saying, you know, if the regions pass a ban on concealed carry, they're not going to comply with it. And I think that's really interesting because this is a, a deep-seated right that many people feel they have. And the issue of safety doesn't ring true for them as right. it does for people who are incredibly concerned about the presence of firearms right. uh, in day-to-day life. Henry Larson is the editor-in-chief of CU Independent. You can find links to his work and his reporting at news.kgnu.org. Henry, thank you so much for talking with us. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much, Alexis. You're listening to The Morning Magazine. I'm Alexis Kenyon. A Hopi musician and educator performed at the Canyon of the Ancients Visitor Center and Museum in Dolores in southwest Colorado recently for Rocky Mountain Community Radio. Clark Adamitis of KSUT and KSJD has more. Under dim lighting, Ed Cabote plays a wooden flute at the Canyon of the Ancients Auditorium. Behind him, an archival image of Puebloan ruins is illuminated on a projection screen. Christopher Columbus discovered America. Whatever. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) With a mixture of song and humor and some strong opinions, Cabote challenges his audience to reconsider our notion of history. Well, but the Vikings may have done it centuries before that. Well, hello, the Native Americans did it centuries and centuries, millennia before any of that. Hello, you guys aren't the only ones that can figure out how to maneuver a boat. You know what I'm saying? Ed Kabodi identifies as Tewa and Hopi. His performance touches on race, colonialism, and equity in the complicated history of North America. It's challenging material, even for an audience full of progressive, well-meaning white people. As a Native American, when you hear somebody give a land acknowledgement, at the end of it, I come to the conclusion, so why are you still here? We're acknowledging extreme injustice, glossing it over, and patting ourselves on the back for doing it. Hope it land if I forget you, let my right hand forget what it's supposed to do. Stay when we were burned in the oven in the 17th century, then tried to conquer, but then can't come. Ed Cabote grew up on Tewa lands in New Mexico and Hopi lands in Arizona. When he sings, his face is filled with emotion. You recognize that a German is not Spanish. Sometimes Cabote draws uncomfortable laughter from the crowd. And an English person is not Dutch, etc., etc. But when it comes to us, we're all Native American. You know, oh, you're Native American, do you know this guy in South Dakota? (laughs) (laughs) It happens a lot more than you think. (laughs) During the Q&A, the audience is eager to ask Kabodi about the solutions he sees to injustices. Responses to laugh. And I'm not critiquing anyone in the negative, but we're... And afterward, a number of people approach him on stage. One woman asks whether performing this material is emotionally difficult. Kabodi is gentle and self-effacing, but later he says it is challenging. There's a lot of times when it's draining, exhausting, (laughs) you know, disheartening. But the work also has its own 
strength and momentum and it gives energy. When we're following what we believe in, right? When we're pursuing a calling on our life, it brings its own energy. The visitor center at Canyon of the Ancients was built by the United States government to manage and curate Native American ancestry. Ed Cabote's appearance there challenges the legitimacy of that museum and even the park itself. His ideas are provocative, challenging, and worth listening to. For KSUT and KSJD, I'm Clark Adamitis. That story was shared with us via Rocky Mountain Community Radio, a network of public media stations in Colorado, Wyoming, Utah, and New Mexico, including KGNU. You're listening to The Morning Magazine. I'm Alexis Kenyon. Up next, it's .org. Time now for .org, spotlighting the work of local nonprofits and co-ops. This is Stacy Johnson with KGNU.org. Today I'm at Wild Bear Nature Center located in Netherland. Joining me to share information about Wild Bear Nature Center is Executive Director and Founder Jill Dreves. Jill, can you provide listeners a brief overview of what Wild Bear Nature Center is about? Wild Bear Nature Center is a Boulder County nonprofit, and we provide all kinds of opportunities for all ages to engage in nature. Our mission is to inspire a lifelong connection to nature and community through creative exploration of the outdoors. And what is the history of Wild Bear Nature Center, or how did you get it started? Well, I was a public school teacher 28 years ago in Boulder Valley School District, and I took $500 out of my personal savings account and started Wild Bear Nature Center. And so it began as a, an organization that just brought kids out into the forest and into nature when school was not in session. And then as it grew, uh, we ended up partnering with Boulder County Parks and Town of Netherland to preserve Mud Lake open space. So that was a 260-acre preservation where our volunteers removed 30 tons of trash. And through that preservation, we ended up owning five of the acres in, in an intergovernmental agreement that we had with Boulder County, we have a conservation easement on the five acres with a commitment to build a nature center for Boulder County. And the topic of that nature center, um, can you tell us about the capital campaign? So what is so very incredible is that we preserved that land in 2000. And here we are, 23 years later, completing this really incredible long-term vision. So we ended up with a lead donor who came forth to support our vision, and that has snowballed into uh, 97 major donors. So it is going to be an incredible resource to Boulder County and the region and to all the visitors that come on the oldest scenic byway in the state of Colorado, right past our site, where it'll be a net zero building tied to the grid of Netherland. We'll be providing energy to the town of Netherland, and we'll also provide incredible public programming space, hands-on exhibits, a nature playscape, an outdoor amphitheater, an observation deck of where Boulder's water comes from within view, and 3,000 acres and 16 miles of trail. So it's really a robust vision, and it's, a, it's going to be a legacy for our county and the state of Colorado. Is there anything you would like to touch upon that hasn't already been covered? 
The most important thing to remember is that research shows that children today are in unstructured play in the outdoors for seven minutes a day. And I don't know about you, but I was out playing in the woods all day, every day. And our children today are not doing that. And our question is, what does that mean? What does that mean for them? What does that mean for the future of this planet? And so our commitment is to be sure that we are leaving a legacy for our children, that we are leaving a legacy of a healthy planet. Jill Dreves, thank you for your time today and sharing information about Wild Bear Nature Center. This is Stacy Johnson for KGNU.org. For more information on this organization or to listen to other episodes, please go to news.kgnu.org. is all the time we have today for our morning magazine. I've been your host, Alexis Kenyon. Special thanks to Stacey Johnson, Jack Armstrong, John Kellen, and Juanita Hurtado. Stay tuned for Connection. Today's host, Kathy Partridge, and special guest, Cinda Collins-Arsenault, will discuss the topic, what are women up to? Or what are what are women up to? However you want to say that one. <laughs> That's coming up after these headlines from the BBC.